When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Culture, and CEO of Luminous Strategy, Keith Begis. Hey, what you drink? Okay, guys, I know you are still taking notes from the last conversation that I had, but you need a fresh pad of paper for this one. I guarantee it. Because, you know, have you ever met someone and, you know, it was a formal engagement? And so you're trying to be all professional, but all your professionalism just kind of goes out the window because you are taking notes. It's it's actually kind of awkward to be taking notes while you are on stage with another professional. But that's what I found myself doing when I met this next guest. And so with that, I am just so excited to bring to you Mr. Keith Piggies. Keith Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the conversation. Yeah, man, it's, it's good to be here, man. Thank, thank you so much for having me, man. You were taking notes while I was talking, and I was taking notes while you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had a mutual note-taking session going on, brother. Ah, uh, Man, I, I, I sure hope the audience got something out of our conversation, because I know I did. And it would be kind of awkward for me to be the only one walking away, but somehow... Uh, from all of the comments that I heard afterwards, uh, I, I just believe that you changed some lives in that. We're going to talk about the event that we were at because that that was actually kind of special for me anyway. Uh, but before we get into this, I'm getting ahead of myself because my audience knows that there is one question that really kicks this thing off. And so I'm just going to go ahead and lean into this. So what you drinking? Uh, today I'm drinking lemonade. Because I'm just getting over COVID. A nice, cold, smooth uh, glass of lemonade right now that I'm using to propel me through our time together. Got it. Got it. Well, hey, I, I do know that you've got a, a favorite that you that you normally uh, enjoy on special occasions. I had not heard of Virgil's root beer. So give me a little, little 15th. 
I have not heard of Virgil's root beer. Tell me a little bit about what that would have been. So I'm a root beer fan. And several years ago, I found Virgil's root beer, uh, which is a micro brewed gourmet root beer. So, you know, it's got cane sugar, it's handcrafted, bold taste. It is so smooth. And it's what I enjoy when I come home during the evening or from a long trip. There's nothing like having holding that bottle, that cold bottle of Virgil's root beer and sipping that root beer, man. I tell you. Oh, man. Well, you, you, you're first. You are a first uh, root beer aficionado on the show. And I think you're the first to drink lemonade, too. So my audience knows that that just means I got to come really, really, really hard to keep with the integrity of the whiskey part. And I, you know, I decided to reach with reach to one of my favorites and I have not, I don't believe I've tasted this one in this season, but you guys know how much I love Calumet Farms 14 year. Now they've got, they've got a 15 year out there. They've got a 16 year out there, but man, I'll tell you this 14 year has got it. It's kind of got me kidnapped. And I don't even know what those other years are about. So that's what I decided to reach for, because this is my go-to favorite that I can find. Uh, There are some others out there that I enjoy, but I can't find them. I can't can't find the Uncle Nearest 1820 anymore. Uh, I can't find the Taylor Barrel Proof anymore. So this is the top. This is about as top as I get. So I'm going to crack this open. And I'm going to pour some into my uncle nearest, my uncle nearest glass. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is this is the right juice for this conversation. And while I get settled into this glass, I would love for you to just share. Share some of your background with those who um, do not know who you are. But if you could just share a little bit about your background, who you are, and uh, we can get into this conversation. Okay. Well, I'll start way back. Uh, I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Music City, Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, my dad was an entrepreneur, so I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I think you heard a little bit of this story. So I, you know, I, I, I learned business started learning business at a very young age, working with my dad and, you know, studied uh, engineering in college, electrical engineering in college, and and then spent time working in the uh, information technology industry early on in my career with IBM and Hewlett Packard. And and then went on to work in, you know, marketing and strategy for a number of uh, big companies and served as the chief marketing officer for a few of those companies. I've moved a lot. I'm now um, in think city number 11. <laughs> uh, so I've had a great run in terms of living and experiencing some great cities uh, uh, around the country and the world. And um, married, my wife, Monica, got four children who are uh, all just about out of the house now. So, uh, and uh, after this long run in, on the corporate side of things, uh, uh, back to entrepreneurship again. And so I um, lead a strategy consulting firm called Luminos Strategy. 
we're celebrating seven years in a few days, which also happens to be my daughter's birthday. Excited about that. Uh, and then also involved in a, uh, a tech startup. So it's really cool, man, being on the ground floor of this tech startup, you know, with, um, you know, in this space that's, you know, really occupied by a lot of 20, 30, 40 something year olds. And, and we've got uh, not all of us, but several of us are gray hair in the startup on the founding <laughs> team and trying to solve a really, really big and valuable problem of helping companies really understand their, their culture. Uh, and get some analytics around that so that they can uh, have a better experience for their employees and, and hang on to them longer. And then I'm very involved in a couple of uh, nonprofits, uh, things that I care about. Uh, one of those that I'm most excited about is a new organization that I helped to, to found uh, last year called Research Triangle Tech Noir. And uh, so me and 12 other senior Black leaders in technology here in the Research Triangle area in North Carolina founded this organization to unlock opportunities for Black people in technology in the region. So, you know, we're a fast-growing region. we got a lot of representation from tech firms and life sciences and more moving every day. And we wanted to make sure that the Blacks in technology are not left out of all of the opportunities that come with that. And so we're really excited about this new venture and we've gotten great support from organizations and individuals here and looking forward to, to having an impact. So that's just a little bit about me and who I am, where I'm from, what I've done, what I'm up to and uh, having a good time. Man, I, I'll tell you, and, and one of the things that I was really, really taking um, by when I heard your story was uh, a lot of times people say, you know, hey, look, I, I spent some time in corporate America and they they kind of move on to other elements of their career. But I mean, your time in corporate America is with like some of the biggest brands on the planet. I mean, Honeywell International, R.R. Dunley, uh, ADP Dealer Services, uh, you know, you can't get much bigger. <laughs> you mentioned IBM. Uh, you can't get much bigger than the companies that you've worked with. And, you know, I, I spent some time with some big companies as well. And and people have said, you know, you know, Galen working for Coca-Cola is kind of like getting another MBA, but you've got like several big business, big corporate experiences. I just, I was really taken by how you had these big, uh, big company experiences, but you were able to make it very common, very plain. As my uncle used to say, you, you, you could put it where the goats could get it. And that was something that I think everyone in the audience could relate to. Where do you think that came from? The ability to communicate with, you know, the most intelligent, the highest level, but then put it in such plain talk that everyone could understand, regardless of their education, their education level. Well, you know, first of all, man, I'm really blessed to have had these experiences with these big companies, and um, and I tried to learn as much as I could in each one of those experiences, and it, it was great for me, man. Great for my development, and and I love the opportunity to contribute to each one of them and they all were so different so you know I operate in a lot of different spaces but it, it was great I'm fortunate 
But I tell you, I, you know, I told you I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, and I told you, I think this is part of the story. My dad, he's probably one of the best business people, man, I've ever met in my life. And my dad grew up in a farming, uh, farming sharecropper family. Uh, grew up in Arkansas, a small town. Uh, and my dad and his siblings, you know, only had an eighth grade education because after the eighth grade, everybody in the family transitioned to what was then the family business, which was sharecropping. So if you had a lot of kids and they all went to work on the farm, you know, after eighth grade. But my dad loved people and he talked to anybody about anything, anytime. And so I think a lot of it I learned from him and being around him and then. I worked with him in uh, in college. Uh, I worked nearly full time in one of the family businesses while I was getting my undergraduate degree. And so I think that came from him and from our family. We just, you know, plain people, real people, and probably the best conversations and frankly, the places where I've learned probably the most in the big corporations that I've worked for is with the cleaning staff. When you're there late working, and you sit down and have a conversation. Nobody talks to them. People look at they think they're invisible. And I've learned so much about the company, about the culture, about what was going on from the invisible people because I talked to everybody. And part of that for me is there are no big eyes and little U's. We're all human beings. We're all real people. I don't lose sight of that. And so I'm always interested in talking to people and learning something and getting to know new people. And it doesn't matter their station in life, their titles, their roles, and all that stuff. So likewise, when it comes to business, I try to keep it simple. You know, I want to talk to you like I would be able to, to explain it to my grandmama so she could understand it. And if I can't break it down and my grandmother can say, you know, I get that. I understand that. Then I haven't, I haven't done my job. Wow. I love it. I love it. It, You know, it reminds me of the first, I think it was the first book I ever bought with my own money because I I, I stole a lot of my dad's books. Uh, But the first book that I ever bought with my own money was Mark McCormick. I think it was entitled uh, what they didn't teach me at Harvard business school. And I'm sure that that book was chock full of incredible wisdom. But the one quote that has stayed with me for, I don't know, 35 years, the 40 years since I since I uh, bought that book was the line that says, all things being equal, friends buy from friends. All things being slightly unequal, friends buy from friends. And therefore, it's important to make friends. And just to listen to your story, you seem to embody that statement. What's your thought about this idea that friends buy from friends and we are in a friend business? Yeah, you know, I I agree with that. And, you know, I extend that I would extend it far beyond, you know, the buy-in relationship. The core of that lesson, from my perspective, with that principle, I actually capture that in the opening statement for one of my courses that I teach, right? I teach this course on career success and I open the course by making a statement to the audience. And so here's a statement. Career success is about who you know. Career success is about who you know. 
And then I asked the participants, if you believe that's true, I want you to vote in the affirmative by standing, right? If you believe that career success is about who you know. So if you believe that, why don't you stand? And so people stand. And we've been doing this for a long time. Somewhere between 65, 75% of the people stand each time. And then I say, you may be seated. And then I say, well, to those who remain, uh, I'm not going to assume that you disagree with this statement. So I'm going to give you the same opportunity to cast your vote by standing. So do you, if you believe this statement, career success is about who you know, is untrue. You don't believe it. Likewise, why don't you stand uh, and vote? They stand and then they sit down. And then I said, okay, now what you all been waiting for, the big reveal here. If you believe and cast your vote to uh, affirm that, that career success is about who you know, you are absolutely wrong. <gasps> And you hear the gasp, right? And then I said, let me give you a contrary uh, statement. And then I show the next statement. I said, I believe this is true. Career success is not about who you know. Career success is about who knows you and what they are willing and able to say and or do on your behalf when it counts. And every one of those words in that statement has meaning. And so your point, and referencing back to what you read, you know, in you know, what they didn't teach in Harvard Business School, and this notion of friends do business with friends, people support people who they know and like, right? And so, A, they've got to know you. And sometimes, you know, people don't enable people to help them because they haven't given people the information that they need to know about you to be able to help you, to be your voice in the room when you're not in the room, to be your advocate when, when there's a time for advocacy, to be your defender when you need to be defended, right? To be your promoter when there's an opportunity for you to be promoted, right? So, so I think by extension, yeah, friends or those who know you and care about you and know enough about you to promote you, support you, advocate for you. Yeah, because why? We're human beings. Wow. I mean, I have seen that truth played out in my own career. Uh, you know, in the times when I was incredibly connected uh, to maybe three levels above my station in my corporate career, all of a sudden opportunities were coming at me before they were published. And people were coming to me saying, Galen, uh, this opportunity is about to become available. Would you be interested in something like this if it were to become available? And then there was a point when my boss got promoted. His boss got reassigned and his boss's boss retired. 
and they had those same conversations. And then all of a sudden, there were no opportunities <laughs> coming my way. My performance hadn't changed. As a matter of fact, I had just gotten inducted into the President's Club for the organization. And right after that, they said, and Galen, there's no place for you in this organization. Here's a package. And I don't know what happened, but to your point, there was no one in the room <laughs> to talk about me in an advocacy way. And that's what happened, right? Th th those other people who had advocates in the room, they were the ones that were talked about. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>